Hey guys, what's up? This is Christina Riley with Studio Beanhead, and you're listening to the Caffeinated Inspiration Podcast. The Secret Garden of Peace. In Psalms 32, 7, it says, You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Selah. I remember when I was a child spending the night at my Aunt Kay's house. She would read to me my all-time favorite book, The Secret Garden, before bedtime. It was like clockwork. I love that about her. She had a bedtime ritual, come to think of it. She didn't even have a TV in her bedroom. Sometimes I wonder if I should get rid of my TV in my bedroom. Would that help me sleep better at night? Don't let my husband see this. I'm sure he does not feel the same, but seriously. I think we can all learn from the simplicity of this, especially for times like today, when the world is so loud, busy, and full of chaos. Having such a routine is such a sweet reminder to slow down and rest. I remember she would remove the decorative pillows off of her tightly made bed that she so diligently labored for earlier in the morning, unfolded the sheets, turned off all the lights except for the nightstand, which was only on long enough to read a few chapters. Then when it was time, she would put her glasses neatly on her nightstand, tuck the corner of the page of the book, or put a bookmark in place, gently close the book, and safely put it aside for the next bedtime story adventure. After turning off the last light in the room, It didn't take long for your eyes to adjust, and before you knew it, the only light that would shine through was the soft moonlight that would quietly peek through the window curtains. It was a very inviting place for rest and peaceful sleep. It was so quiet, you could even hear the crickets from her backyard singing their night song beyond the bedroom walls. I wonder if that is what The Secret Garden sounded like at nighttime. Yes, I absolutely love that book and still love the story today. My favorite part was when they found the hidden garden safely resting on the other side of the ivy-covered walls, guarded with lock and key. Have you ever been to an antique store and seen an old-fashioned key? They look very different than the keys that you see today for houses and cars. They were much larger, more decorative, and very strong. When I see one, it almost whispers a hidden message to me. I am important. I can show you secret treasures that you are unfamiliar with. I still get excited today. every time I see an old key. It makes me wonder, where does it go to? Did it once belong to a secret garden? In the book, I loved the adventure the kids had, overcoming their personal issues and struggles, specifically pride, insecurities, and fear. Their journey wasn't an easy one for sure, and at different stages in my life, the story has different meaning to me. But the one thing that is constant is that their journey led them into a garden, not just any garden, but a secret garden. Isn't it interesting that life began in a garden and now it seems that our answer to peace resides in a garden as well. I remember imagining them walking into the hidden door covered in ivy with a key in one hand and the other blindly feeling beyond the vines, searching for the door so they could enter into their hidden treasure waiting for them behind the hiding place that provided them peace, protection, and rest. I can almost hear the garden now. A bluebird sings its morning song. A soft wind blows the leaves from a tree as the sun rays pierce through the branches and cause the grounds to come alive and dance with light. The early morning dew shimmers softly, glistening little diamonds reflecting the light, reminding us that this fresh garden 
is full of life. There's just something so satisfying about being in a garden. It's like there's an age-old story, a secret that rests in it, something ancient. Maybe the secret has something to do with peace. Maybe this age-old secret is more than what we thought. Maybe it's the answer our souls have been seeking. Could it be that Jesus has given us each a key to enter into the secret garden of his? A garden that we can find rest, peace, protection, joy, and hope. Gardens have played a large role in my life growing up, even though I hadn't participated in one until recently. My mom used to work in a greenhouse when she was younger, and I learned a lot about taking care of plants and gardening from her. Over the years, I've watched my mom diligently work in her backyard to create an oasis, skillfully designed for her personal place of rest. She goes out to her backyard garden every day and spends her quiet time with God on her swing as she looks at the garden. She told me once that she found it easy to find things to thank God about when she's resting in God's creation. She said, I see the birds eating seed and I thank him for them. I see bees flying and I think about how they help my flowers and vegetables grow and produce fruit for me and I thank him for them. My mom also is out there so much that she is actually familiar with the birds in her garden and even has a garden cat named Baby that you can usually find lounging around her rose bushes. My mom recognizes her birds in her garden and some of them actually recognize her and sings more loudly when she comes outside. I like to think that they're also thankful for the beauty that she helps to create for them. Personally, I'm just now learning about caring for a garden and spending time outside. The first thing that I have learned is this, water is life. Nothing can live without water. Did you know that dirt is a living organism? Yeah, I did not know that either until recently. In fact, I've heard it compared to the organs in our body. For example, if a person gets shot in the stomach and leaves the wound untreated, it would kill that person. If you look at it as simple as our skin is a covering to protect our inside organs, you can equally compare that to dirt. Who would have thought your soil needs a covering, a skin so to speak, to help it to stay healthy, to protect it, and to keep all of the good stuff inside. That's why usually you rarely see exposed dirt around an area with luscious plant life. Did you know that God does this for you also when you get under his covering. Psalms 32 7 says, you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I recently learned about Corrie ten Boom's story in her book called The Hiding Place. I talked about it in the previous podcast. If you've never heard of it, you should definitely check it out. Her story comes from her experience in Holland as a Dutch Christian during World War II. She was a pioneer of her day. She was a woman watchmaker and had a watch shop that she lived in the upper rooms above. When she saw the horrifying aftermath of Nazi hatred, she decided that she wanted to do something about it. She built a hidden wall in her bedroom and it became one of the central safe houses for Jews, helping them to escape Nazi persecution and arrest. The Nazi's agenda was to completely remove the existence of Jews from the world. It is so sad what hate can do. It truly saddens my heart to see how much hatred there is still in the world today. Many people found refuge and protection hiding behind Corey's secret wall that she built and prepared for them. Her story really brought me a new sense of hope and peace. I kept thinking about the labor she put into working to building the hiding place and it made me think of how God is our hiding place and the work that he did for us. 
He built a hidden wall that we can hide in, so to speak, when the enemy attacks. We don't have to fight the battle alone. Sometimes he calls us under his shadow, hidden wall, or you might even call it a secret garden, to rest in his peace as he fights the battle for you. Will you let him fight your battle today? He's waiting for you to just give it to him and trust in him. Remind yourself of his faithfulness. Remind yourself of the lessons that he's taught you. If you're not sure of any lessons, ask him to teach you, and he will. Ask him to help you and he will. I will say this though, God's ways are not always our ways. Actually, they're seldom our ways. However, his ways are perfect. Try to remember Joshua's story to remind yourself of how even when things look like there is no hope and no plan, God has a master plan and he can use the plan, he can use the difficulty, and he can always turn it around for his good. Whatever you are facing today, can I tell you that God cares? Imagine with me for a moment that God is your gardener of your secret garden of peace. He has already done the hard work and prepared a beautiful, restful, and purposeful place for you. Just like any garden, they do not happen by accident. They happen by design and hard work. Friend, God has already done the hard work for you. Why are you trying to carry the load yourself? I want to encourage you to give that load back to the master gardener and take your seat and rest. Will you rest in him today? Good soil is the most important key to gardening. I learned that the hard way a few times. When you have a covering, it could be mulch, grass clippings, leaves, or wood chips. It could even be rocks. It helps to keep the soil healthy and full of nutrients, along with not drying out. But even with the covering, it could still dry out if you never water it. Do you find yourself in a dry season where everything seems unfruitful and hopeless? Have you been covered by the blood, but you aren't keeping your soil watered? I've been told before, as an example, that when you praise God in the midst of your trial, and tribulations, you are doing two things. You are offering a sacrifice of praise and you're watering your seed. Maybe you're in need of favor at work. Despite what's happening, thank God for giving you favor. Find things to be thankful for. If you're struggling finding good things, try what my mom exampled earlier. Go outside, look at nature, and thank God for all of the good things that you see. Remember that everything good comes from God. One way you can check to see if your soil is good is look for any cracks. If there's cracks, most likely, it was exposed to the harsh sunlight without covering, along with lack of water. I believe our souls are similar to these principles that are taught to us by God's nature. Is your soil cracking and becoming hardened? I remember when I worked in a job that I was unhappy with and I was surrounded by negativity all day long. I starved myself from God's word and I thought that I was fine. But what I didn't know was that my soil was drying up and cracking. I found myself becoming prideful, fearful, and corrupted by the negative environments that I was exposed to. In Matthew 13, we see a picture painted for us about good soil. But the one who receives the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. The one thing from this verse that really stands out to me is that you got to hear the word before you can understand it. It reminds me of another scripture. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The one thing that we can do when we recognize that our soil is starting to harden and crack is to listen to God's word 
When I recognized that my soul was sick, I began to take some biblical medicine. I remember thinking about at a hospital when a patient is sick, they have them hooked up to an IV and is constantly putting good liquids into their body. I began to listen to sermons preaching messages to fall asleep to so that I am still spiritually feeding as I sleep. What I discovered is that the more I fed, the more I wanted to feed on the word of God. And before I knew it, my perspectives were changing, my insight shifted, and I started moving towards a positive direction. Have you ever tried to grow a plant from a seed before? I tried to grow lavender from seeds several years ago and failed horribly. This year, I harvested seeds from my bell peppers that I bought from a grocery store, and now they are actually growing into vegetable plants in my backyard right now. Another seed that I was able to grow recently was a lemon tree seed. I've learned a lot about seeds recently and learned that most of them have to germinate in the darkness and need to stay saturated with water. Some take longer than others to sprout and require more heat than others before their sprouts are able to peek through that dark layer of dirt and see the light and feel the cool breeze of the freedom compared to the compactness of the dirt pushing up against them. Can you imagine the journey of a seedling as a life? The beginning stages would be very scary and almost discouraging feeling like maybe you will never grow. Maybe there is something wrong with you, that you're still stuck in a situation or still struggling with these same issues. I remember specifically I thought my lemon seed was dead. I remember looking after it and doing every step that I researched on Google to take care of it. But at the time it was supposed to sprout, it didn't. In fact, a few months went by. It was surely dead. I must have not taken care of it right. I believe it was about three months, but I didn't throw it away because I still had some hope. So I kept watering it, even though it was past the time that it should have sprouted. But one morning, I remember I looked out my kitchen window and I was overcome with joy and excitement. I saw three little sprouts reaching up. The lemon tree seeds that I thought were dead were alive after all. Can I tell you that you're about to sprout? I believe it in my heart that when you're faced with the crippling darkness that might be surrounding you, you're about to sprout. When you look around and see nothing good coming your way, you're about to sprout. When your business looks like it's on the verge of bankruptcy, you're about to sprout. When you're diagnosed with an illness and you see no way out, you're about to sprout. Listen to me. Don't believe those lies that the enemy tries to feed you, that you will never rise higher. Don't believe those lies that you are a failure. Don't believe those lies that you are a disappointment. Don't believe those lies that God left you and that you've blown it. Those lies are from your enemy, the devil. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy in everything, in every area of life. He even wants to steal your peace, kill your joy, and destroy your hope. Don't let him. Know right now that God loves you and is on your side. He knows every night that you couldn't sleep because you were terrified about the future. He sees your every tear, and even when you don't feel his presence, he is near to you. God is, in fact, proud of you. Yeah, he's proud of you. Right now, you are seeking him, and he is proud of you. You are the apple of his eyes. 
Did you know that covering your beds with wood chips has been considered one of the best ways to cover your garden beds? It's because wood chips are actually, in fact, smart by God's design. Did you know that wood chips know when and when not to release water to water the soil underneath it? Yeah, figured that one out. For example, if you underwater your garden, the covering, in this case, wood chips, will hold on to the water inside of itself to keep the overall soil underneath it rich and to steady moisture and cool from the harsh sun. If you overwater, the wood chips know that there is more than enough water and will release the water until it needs to hold on to it in the future. It's like its own natural irrigation system. That's pretty amazing. I think with this, we can learn that as we let the word of God wash over us, we can entrust him to teach us and bring understanding to us in the right timing. God knows what our hearts need and when we need it. He is our master gardener and our covering. He is our protector and shelter, giving us rest from the harsh environments that surround us and helps us to stay cool. Another thing that I've learned recently about gardening is that gardening is not really easy. <laughs> it's actually really hard work. You really don't truly grasp this completely until you actually work in a garden. I remember when I first started working in my garden, I was really surprised and I just thought to myself, man, I did not think it would be this difficult. I really had the expectation that, you know what, I'm going to make the vision for the garden happen today. <laughs> Needless to say, that was a long time ago. And what I've noticed is this. It's actually a good thing that it takes a while. I think it teaches us that good things take time and they don't always happen instantaneously. I believe that one thing gardening works out of you slowly is that lack of patience. I remember planting my bell peppers for the first time. I had a really difficult time <laughs> because I wanted to see the bell peppers growing on it the next day, but instead I had to prune them. And for those of you not familiar with pruning, it's cutting it back down to help it to have better growth. Part of the problem I had pruning for the first time is that you see this beautiful lush plant and then you cut it back and then it looks like half of the plant that it was. It looks like you're stunting its growth and basically destroying your plant. Surely it won't be more abundant now that it's been held back for so long. I remember that was the first vegetable that I'd ever pruned. However, now that some time has gone by, it's not the growth that I expected it would be, but it is growing. And the amazing thing is, it's actually doubling or even tripling production. Had I not cut it back, it would only produce just enough on one stem. But since it's been cut back at the right timing, and I had to wait and wait, and wait and be patient, it produced more vegetables than it ever could the other way. And as much as I wanted it to do what I know it's going to do and what it's supposed to do, but I have to wait for it, I think that having to wait for it to produce the fruit will bring me that much more joy. Okay, so going back to the lemon sprout, I can't even begin to explain the joy that I felt when I saw my lemon seeds starting to sprout after months of not seeing any growth. It gave me a sense of pure joy that you couldn't even get at a store. It's just something that only comes by being patient and diligent at something. I believe that gardening definitely works patience and diligence in you. And I would even say grace. Because in those moments that you forget to water your plants consistently, and maybe one of them dies. Okay, let's get real here. Maybe one bell pepper plant and five tomato plants die. You have to give yourself some grace in that and keep moving forward and not quit. That's another thing that my mom always told me. Just don't quit. Keep moving forward. To be completely honest, I've killed many plants in my life, but I can say 
that I am trying my best to stay educated and taught and trained in becoming better at caring for them. And from this not giving up mindset, I believe that another thing that I've learned is that caring for plants helps to push your pride down because it can be very humbling caring for the life of a living creature, even especially a plant that is extremely delicate at times and demands so much attention and care. Each one is susceptible to different types of diseases and pest issues. And even from this, it teaches us that for every promise of God, the enemy will try to make our faith towards it sick by infecting us with pests and diseases, so to speak, of lies and doubt. I'd like to invite you to imagine with me that a plant as a promise of God. You hear the word. You receive the word of God. The seed is sown. God gives it to you and you need to care for it and put it in a pot with good soil. You do this and then you begin to water it and take care of it. You water the seed by thanking and praising God for his promises. But then before you know it, a weed pops up. Yeah, a weed. It pops up in your pot with your plant. That's strange. You didn't plant that weed. You carefully put everything good in that pot and cared for the plant, but nonetheless, weeds made its way into your pot. Here is the problem. If you leave the weed in there, at first, it looks like it's not a big deal. It seems fine, actually. But what you don't know is that underneath the soil, in an area that you cannot see, the weed is stealing the nutrients of the plant. Now imagine that that weed is a lie of the enemy, trying to steal the promise of God that he gave to you that belongs to you. There's a simple fix. You got to pull out that weed and throw it out and keep watering your plant. Do you remember what watering was? Thanking and praising God for his promises. The Bible tells us that we got to cast down vain imaginations and to think about things that are good. So speak the truth. In designing my garden, I decided that I wanted to name it. I was inspired by a YouTube video online by Girl in the Word. I decided that I wanted to name my garden the Garden of Shalom. Shalom is the Hebrew word for peace. At first, I was going to leave it at that, but then I decided I wanted to dig a little deeper in the meaning of the Hebrew word of Shalom, and I discovered some amazing treasures. Some other meanings of Shalom are wholeness, harmony, completeness, prosperity, welfare, tranquility, and can be used to mean both hello and goodbye. Now this is where it starts to get really exciting. Hebrew words are built on roots, usually of three consonants. When the consonants appear with various vowels and additional letters, a variety of words often with some form of relation and meaning can be formed from a single root word. For example, the root sh, l, hm come the words shalom, peace, well-being. Hishtalem, it was worth it. Shulam, was paid for. Meshulam, paid for in advance. Mushlam, perfect. And Shalam, whole. Now, pausing here for a moment, I just want to clarify that there is modern Hebrew and ancient Hebrew. Modern Hebrew, we are more familiar with. However, in ancient Hebrew, it was written in pictograph form. Now, pausing here for a moment, and each symbol was an image that had a separate meaning when isolated on its own. Now, the ancient Hebrew words shalom can be broken into four words, mem, chaos, vav, attached, lamd, authority, shepherd staff, and shin, destroy. Now, if we look at all of that, the authority of peace destroys the authority of chaos. 
Here is your key to your secret garden, a secret hidden in the very word of biblical peace. The truth that I have found hidden in peace is that our well-being was paid for in advance to make us perfect and whole in Christ Jesus. He declares that the price that he paid for your complete salvation in him was worth it because you are valuable in the apple of his eyes that by his authority in Christ Jesus destroys the authority attached to chaos that surrounds us due to sin. May this complete wholeness in him follow you in your coming and going in perfect shalom peace. You've been listening to Caffeinated Inspiration, brought to you by Studio Beanhead. I just want to thank you guys for listening to this podcast. I just want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to just spend this time with me. I hope and pray that you have a blessed day and that you've enjoyed this time with me over a nice cup of coffee or whatever your beverage of choice is. I appreciate you. I really do.